You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about building a professional career. So I've heard about heroic public speaking for a few years now from my friends at Agency Management Institute. And as I spent 2022 developing an idea that I believed could change and still believe, let me just clarify, and still believe can change lives, I decided it was time for me to start looking into HPS and figure out what it was all about. So in October of 2022, I spent two lovely days in Lambertville, New Jersey, which I never in my wildest dreams would have thought New Jersey would have been a destination for me, but it was. Um, And I spent this time with Michael and Amy Port and about 50 other wildly impressive strangers during HPS's two-day core program. Now, I want to just say that this is definitely going to turn into a promo for HPS, um, but it's going to be wildly informative as well. So just, just hear me out. I have been through a number of educational programs in my career, and the caliber of content and the attention to detail that Michael and Amy have poured into building this program is one of, if not the best I've ever experienced. And I share this because I think it's really important. HPS's big vision is that a speech can really truly change the world. And I think that they're right. I'm currently enrolled in their HPS grad program, and I cannot wait to see what my final keynote is. So this is a public declaration that you can all hold me accountable for delivering an amazing keynote at some point. So without further ado, it is with great pleasure that I introduce Michael Port. He is a nine-time best-selling author, classically trained and former professional actor, a retired keynote speaker. He's an entrepreneur, and he's the co-founder and CEO of Heroic Public Speaking, where he helps thought leaders from around the world stop speaking and start performing. It's truly an honor to say, welcome to Eloma, Michael. Thank you. You've put a big, goofy smile on my face. (laughs) (laughs) What What a way to start the day. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, we'll just kick it off with all kinds of flattery, but well-earned flattery. So, so Michael, let's go ahead and jump in. You have worked with hundreds, probably even thousands of thought leaders and entrepreneurs. What are some of the reasons people turn to public speaking in their careers? Sure. So some people want to be professional speakers and, uh, you know, and that's a, a very particular, unique type of career. But a lot of entrepreneurs use speaking to advance their business or their brand or book business on the back end of a speech. Right. And then academics will often use speaking to advance their research or their profile uh, in academia. And then, of course, executives use uh, public speaking uh, to move teams and organizations and, of course, also advance themselves up into the C-suite and onto boards because if you can't move people with words, it's really hard to move up inside a corporation. And Mm. then there are some people who use speaking just because they've got a mission. They've got uh, a cause that they are deeply connected to, and they want to change the world through that work. Now, all these other categories of speakers likely want to do the same. They want to change the world one speech at a time. Uh, But there might also be some 
uh, commercial purposes for using speaking for the other groups. But there are still some folks who are really uh, using speaking just as activists or change agents of some kind. Yeah. I love what you just said. It's if you can't move, um, if you can't make movement through words, it's it's hard to move up really and, and make change, period. Um, I absolutely agree with that. Um, so so we have public speaking can be used to change the world, change lives, make movements. What are some of the core mistakes people make when they are starting to approach speaking either as like a professional speaker or in all the ways that you just mentioned to advance their careers or their missions? Yeah. So this, obviously, we could probably talk for a few days <laughs> about maybe about like the, the top, that, the biggest, yeah. the biggest ones. <laughs> well, a couple. So uh, let's start with uh, sort of a broad issue that I think all of these different groups of folks uh, are challenged with. So very often when people go into speaking, they they feel pretty comfortable as subject matter experts. You know, they, they've been studying a particular discipline for a long time. They're experts in their field. They're an authority on a particular subject. And so, you know, when people ask them questions about their topic, their subject, they can answer them really well because they are subject matter experts. And so sometimes they have an assumption that they don't really need to do a lot of work on their speeches. Mm. Sometimes they feel that if they come up with a title and an outline for a speech, and then they, you know, put a slide deck together, get some images, throw them on there, and then use the slide deck as cue cards, they can wing a speech uh, using, you know, that outline and then, you know, uh, expect that they'll rise to the occasion and deliver uh, a really transformational experience. But it often doesn't actually happen because if you want to change what people do, you need to change how they think first. And if you want to change how people think, you need to change how they feel first. And so if you approach a speech from a purely informational perspective, you're skipping the change how they feel stage of the process. You go right to the change how they think. And if you don't change how they feel, it might be really hard to change how they think. Because here's the thing. I mean, take almost, uh, there's so many different things that this would apply to, but many of us are presented with information that would be really helpful and would be life-changing if we actually did something with that information. But right. often yeah. we don't because we haven't changed how we feel about that information in relation to us or, uh, you know, in relation to, um, to the work that we do. And so if you're really just relying on your subject matter expertise to give an informationally, an informational speech, then you're probably missing out on an opportunity to change how they feel so you can change how they think, so you can change what they do. And what we find is the speakers who are most effective, they create transformational experiences for an audience. And they do that by coupling insight after insight after insight after insight after insight, after insight with entertainment. Because mm -hmm. the entertainment factor and I don't mean entertainment, you know, song and dance, you know, tell jokes. I mean, all of that may be relevant, but entertainment is all about the experience they have 
and how they feel about being in the room. So mm -hmm. if you can couple entertainment with insights, then generally you're able to start changing how people think and then of course what they do. And so I think that, you know, for folks who are really serious about this, you know, there's an opportunity to recognize that, you know, there's a difference between a speaker and a performer. Yeah. And uh, a speaker, you know, comes and shares some information, maybe helpful, but probably is not going to be transformational uh, and is probably not going to produce a lot of demand for their work. But somebody who is a performer and a thought leader, mm -hmm. meaning the ideas that they're bringing to the people they serve are transformational ideas. They're ideas that challenge the status quo and offer an alternative approach or mm -hmm. a new way to approach some sort of big intrinsic challenge or problem that an audience or group of people or, or, or a particular industry have, those are the folks who are the most in demand. And so one of the things that's important to recognize is that we live in an age where most information has been commoditized. Yes. Which means expertise has been commoditized. You know, because let's say you and I wanted to learn how to go, how to fly fish. You know, we're, we're taking a trip and we're going to go fly fishing. Mm -hmm. Well, we could turn on YouTube and we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks watching experts teach us just through video how to fly fish. Now, of course, you'd say, well, yeah, you're not going to really learn how to do it until you actually go. Of course, you need to go do it. Yeah. But the point is the information is out there. So the information has become commoditized. Mm -hmm. And so if you rely just on the information, then you're a commodity. And, mm -hmm. you know, you'll get breakout rooms because breakout rooms are often sort of how-to type rooms uh, with experts delivering those kinds of speeches. And it's certainly helpful for audiences to get expert information. But what an expert does is they'll, they'll bring today's best practices. They'll say, here's, here's what works today. Right. Just, you know, holding up a mirror to today's best practices and, and showing it to the audience. And it's helpful, but it's a commodity. Yep. And the folks who are put on the keynote stages are the ones who deliver visionary speeches, who can show you the way the world can look. They say, look, here's how the world is today, mm -hmm. but here's how it can look. This is the status quo, and it's broken for these reasons. And here's an alternative approach, and here's where we can go. And so sophisticated meeting planners are putting visionaries on the speed, on the keynote uh, stages, yeah. and then they're putting the experts in the breakout rooms. Now, part yeah. of that is because, you know, they think that they want how-to expert-driven speeches in those breakout sessions, but, but it's not just that. It's in part because they often don't pay for breakout speakers. So they'll get lots of experts yes. who will do how-to type speeches because they want to book business on the back end of the speech. So the yep. meeting planner gets a deal where they don't have to pay. And the audience primarily gets expert-driven speeches. And some of them may be helpful, but often the delivery of the speech is subpar. And as a result, the audience doesn't have a transformational experience. And even the best practices may not land for that audience because even some best practices may require that you change how you see the world in some way in order to, yeah. you know, to actually execute on those best practices. So, um, you know, so it's, it's just really depends on what you want to do with your speaking and, and where you want to be in the space. And do you want to do visionary work that changes the context of an industry 
that gives people a new approach, an alternative approach to something that's not working for them now? You know, or do you want to, you know, compete with people for, you know, seven tips to getting more, you know, YouTube followers? Because someone else is going to come along and be like, ah, I got eight. And someone's going to say, you don't need eight. I can do it in six. You know, and then now yeah. you're, you're racing to the bottom, essentially. Uh, and that's, it's this little bit, it's similar to what you see in the content marketing space online. Yes. <laughs> you know, sort of a race to the bottom with the same kind of content uh, competing just by, you know, uh, with headlines, basically. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no, I I so totally agree. You know, that was actually one of the reasons I, for me personally, wanted to close down my agency is I just felt like after I was running a digital content marketing agency and I was like, all the technology and everything that's coming out, everyone and their mom thinks they're a content marketer and it's all just becoming commoditized. And I think, you know, actually it was, um, it was a speech delivered by Robert Rose um, mm. at BABA, the Build a Better Agency Summit with AMI a couple of years ago, where he was like, execution is becoming a commodity. Strategy is where you need to go, like critical mm. thinking. And I was like, mm. oh, crap. Mm. And that started to plant ideas in my head. And so, that it, you know, it's been kind of, for me, a couple of years coming. Um, but I love, I, I love all of that uh, because it's so true. You know, and especially with advances in technology and and the oversaturation of content being created, it's hard to stand out and it's hard to do it faster, cheaper, whatever it is, right? We have heard time and time again, women small business owners want to work with other women small business owners, but they don't know where to find them or they don't know how to find the right ones. So we're fixing that. The 100 Collective is a public-facing national directory of and membership for women-owned small businesses looking to find, hire, and network with women such as yourself. We call it the 100 Collective because all members are asked to pay it forward by supporting 100 other women by using their unique strengths and skill sets to empower each other to live financially free and fulfilling lives. Join us at the100co.com. But one of the things that really shifted my, I mean, you and Amy, big fan over here, but you and Amy have shifted my mindset a million times already. But I think one of the big things for me that I found so interesting and you've already touched on is this idea of uh, being a speaker versus a performer. Like I have performed in my life. Like I was a synchronized swimmer. I was a dancer. I did all the things, right? Like the weird quirky things that people are like, what? Like I was a synchronized swimmer and a hip hop dancer. Very fun. Fun facts. Um, But I've also considered myself a speaker because I have spoken in front of many groups of people, but never once had I considered it to be a performance until I came to HPS core. And so that was so pivotal for me. And so my question for you is, tell me a little bit about the mindset shift that needs to take place to go from purely educational or informational to a performance with that transformation being the goal. Mm-hmm. Sure. So let me just uh, address uh, something right off the bat that sure. is of concern to some people when they hear the word performance. Yeah. Sometimes when people hear the word performance, they think that means it's fake. Okay. Fair. You know, they say, sure. you know, like, I don't know if you just, I don't know if, if you want to insult somebody, 
you know, you just say, oh, they're just performing. You know, it's not real. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I can understand that if you've never been a creative artist or a performing artist, you may have no uh, experience with what it means to actually be a great performer. But if you think about the performers that you resonate the most with, people that you absolutely are moved by, whether it's uh, a singer, a musician, mm -hmm. an actor, a writer, these are all different types of performers. They, the ones that move you are the ones who are the most honest performers. When Lady yeah. Gaga sings a song, she's not pretending to sing the song. She's not pretending that she feels something, <clears throat> excuse me, when she's singing the song. She actually feels something. When you watch, say, Tom Hanks uh, in a scene, it's incredibly emotional. And it's riveting to watch. He's not pretending to have those feelings. He's actually having those feelings and they're being captured on film. And then an editor is editing it in order uh, to bring it to life even more. Yeah. And then you have real feelings when you're watching it. Now, yeah. all of this is manufactured. Okay. And that's the key is that performance is manufactured but the people who do it the best are the ones who do it with honesty and if you think about the stage you know for for speaking for keynoting it's a manufactured environment you have a stage where one person comes up and is allowed to speak for 45 minutes or 60 minutes and nobody else in the audience talks there might be 5000 people there and only one person gets to talk and everybody yeah. else has to sit there in the dark watching this person. That is a manufactured environment. And mm -hmm. so if you're going into a manufactured environment and don't recognize that you need to figure out how to perform in that particular manufactured environment in such a way to create a transformational experience for the audience, mm -hmm. well, then, then you're missing out on, on the gift of a theatrical experience. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think people will push back against this idea of performance because they're scared of it. Either they think, well, I can't do it. So let me put it down. Let me just poo poo it and say, no, that's not appropriate. But it's, <laughs> they're afraid I they can't actually do it. Uh, and I've, you know, I've, I've worked with some folks who are, come in like that and then they realize, oh, wait, I actually can do it. I didn't realize I am a performer. All human beings are performers. We perform all day long. Yeah. I mean, Every, you know, going to get a coffee at Starbucks is a performance because you're in line for 20 minutes. You're pissed off the whole time that you're in line <laughs> and it's going so slowly. But when you walk up to the counter, you're like, hi, how are you? I'm really excited to get my coffee. Yeah, right. And that's a little performance because you want to make sure that they don't spit in your coffee, that it comes out <laughs> quick and they get your name right. So yeah. you, 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 you play a role that's going to get you that outcome. When yeah. you make love to your partner, you are feeling it all and it's incredible. But what makes it exciting often is the performative elements. You know, so human beings are great performers, all human beings. There are some people who recognize and love the idea of performing. And so they'll lean into it more. And so we just assume, oh, those are the people who can do it, but regular people can't do it. But no, of course, we're all performers. 
And so when you, when you realize that you can have a tremendous emotional impact and a psychological impact and an intellectual impact on the people in a room through performance, well, all of a sudden the way that you, the way that you go about your work changes dramatically. And here's the thing that is often surprising, and it is, it's a contradiction. I, I think it's a paradox, in fact. Often people who are a little uncomfortable with the idea of performing, they say, I'm not going to rehearse because if I rehearse, it'll be fake. I'm just going to wing it because that's more authentic. That's more natural. That's more real. But in fact, the outcome, the actual product that's developed or delivered, or there is no product developed. There's just something delivered and it's yeah. often ineffective. And Yet the truth of the matter is, and here's where the, here's the paradox is, the more prepared you are, the better you know your material, meaning so well that you don't have to think about it and allow it to come to you in the moment as if it's the first time it's ever come out of your mouth, the more authentic it will feel to the audience. Because the better you know your, the better you know your material, the more naturalistic you can be. And yeah. so sometimes people will say to me, Michael, look, listen, I, I know I, I get the thing about rehearsal. I know, I mean, actors rehearse and musicians rehearse and athletes rehearse. And, um, and uh, we had a Navy SEAL uh, at uh, our two-day event this week. And he was talking about uh, every time, you know, they are assigned a mission, they go through that as many times as they, if they have three days before the mission, they'll spend three days walking through that <clears throat> at multiple different speeds. And then they, until they can do it at full speed without having to think. And all top performers, notice I use the word performers because people yeah. who are the best athletes in the world, the best, um, uh, the best uh, uh, um, special operators, yeah. they're all called performers. But then a regular person hears the word performer and they think there's something wrong with it. So it's, it's strange. So what those people know is that the more they rehearse, the more it feels like it wasn't rehearsed. Yeah. It's like and, you have to army crawl to get to a certain point and then it's like a, a freedom moment. Yeah. So what I, what I, what I started to say and I, I neglected to finish is that often people will tell me I don't like to rehearse because I've tried it and it doesn't work. Right. And, and I think that they're right that it hasn't worked for them because they did a little bit of rehearsal. Right. What happens when you do just a little bit of rehearsal is it's hard to stay in the moment while you're performing because mm -hmm. you're thinking about what you did in rehearsal. You're trying to recall it because it's not at your, it's not at your, the tip of your tongue, right? It's not easily accessible to you. You've got to think about it. So your timing is off and you feel a bit stiff and uh, awkward. And so you say, no, 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 rehearsal doesn't work. I'm better if I'm just off the cuff. Cause I'm really, I, I'm, I got the gift of gab. I'm really quick. <laughs> and and yet, if they tried, if they had a rehearsal process and yeah. they went through that rehearsal process and they trusted that process and they got through that rehearsal process, they'd be able to deliver a performance at a level that they didn't even know they could. Yeah. And so it does take a willingness to commit to that process. Yeah. And look, here's the thing. I have so much empathy for people who want to speak, but but are afraid or are intimidated by it because they don't have a process. So how on earth 
could you excel at something that requires a lot of craft if you don't have a process through which to build whatever product you're going to be delivering? And so if you don't have a process, it's often very overwhelming. So you say, well, I'll just go up there and talk. That, that, that's it. I, that, that, that'll be enough. And so what happens is we get overwhelmed and that's all we do. But I don't think that overwhelm is, is really a result of feeling like there's too much to do. It seems to me that overwhelm is really a function of not knowing what to do next. Sure. Because you need the process. You need the process. But once you have the process, every time you have working on a speech, you work through the process. Mm -hmm. And you might work on that speech for six months or a year or a year and a half. Because if you're creating something that you want to deliver at a level that is best in class, it's not something you're going to create in a weekend. No. No, you like, you know, you've heard these like book in a weekend courses. You've heard those kind of things. Book in a weekend or, you know. I, I, I just have never seen a book that actually became a true best-selling book that people talk about and love and read multiple times that was written in 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. So that's usually the amount of time someone gives to working on a speech, 24 to 48 hours. But that's not going to be a speech anybody's going to talk about. And if you yeah. do want to be a professional, a professional, meaning you want to get paid ridiculous amounts of money to speak for an hour. You want to be sent first class, stay at great hotels, travel all over the world. You walk into your hotel room, they, they, they put a big gift basket on your bed and chocolates and wine and, you know, you're treated like a rock star. I mean, not like a Mick Jagger rock star, but, you know, like a, <laughs> like a, a maybe like a C or a D level rock star. But nonetheless, it's a pretty extraordinary thing to get to do. And yeah. if you want to be paid well to do that, my expectation is you're going to produce something that's best in class. And, and what do you, and, and, and you, and I think the expectation should be that it may take a year to produce a speech that, you know, is, is ready to be sold for $25,000 a speech. Yeah. You have to earn it. You have, you have to, to put in, it. put in the time, put in the reps. You know, I, I yeah. love all of the examples of performers that you give, like we would never imagine a pro athlete to become a pro athlete without putting in the time. Yeah. I mean, the, the sacrifices you, the, the a professional athletes make uh, are just extraordinary in yeah. order to get to, you know, the top of their uh, sport. So look, you know, I tend to push a little bit hard. I push everybody really hard on, on working more on their speeches. Cause I figure yeah. You know, if if I can get people even 50% as far as I'd like them to go, that's going to be game changing for them. Even 25% yeah. is going to be game changing to them because it'll be a lot more than what they're doing now. And, you know, it's it really is an, an extraordinary opportunity you have to get to do this kind of work. And it's fun. I mean, that's the thing. It's really fun. And the most fun... Uh, is generally when you're actually working on the material. Like like that's, yeah, you're in it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you're going on an investigation to, you know, to, to discover solutions that are going to change the lives of the people in the room. 
And so if it's super easy, meaning you don't really have to do much work or think about it, it is it going to be something that will really be able to create significant change? I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Usually things that create significant change require that the person who created that thing also change. Yes. Ooh, I like that. Usually the things that create significant change require that the person who created it changed. Yeah. Yes. And that's, that's what often happens through an artistic process for yeah. the creative artist is you're not the same person after you've created that thing, whether it's a book or a speech or even a painting. Oh, I love that. I love that. If you need a new quote for your next book, you know, I'm happy to write that down for you. Okay, um, thank you. But I, I, I want to just comment on that quickly, Michael, because this past weekend I was working on my HPS speech and I had a breakthrough moment, like literally tears oh. of joy. Like my husband came in to check on me. He was like, oh my God, are you okay? I was like, it just all makes sense now. I found the piece. And he was like, oh, you're, oh, you're fine. <laughs> it <was just> like, <laughs> but it, it was, it was yeah. so amazing. Like I took this may never see the light of day, but I took like selfies just so I could document the nice. moment of like tears, red eye, joy. Nice. Um, because yeah, when you're in it and it's like, sometimes it feels like you're banging your head against the wall and then it starts to crack mm-hmm. and then it breaks open. Mm-hmm. And then if you're anything like me, you might find yourself in happy tears, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but it does, it, it takes work. Yeah. Um, so I know you have created so many things over the years, books and performances and keynotes and HPS and everything. Is there one moment for you that you had an aha moment on like, this is the thing I need to do. I need to do HPS or, or whatever it was like a, an aha moment that changed things for you. Yeah, I think it was when I decided to build Baroque Public Speaking. You know, I started um, my career as an entrepreneur in 2003, and I built a a brand and a business called Book Yourself Solid. Mm -hmm. And it was a very popular business, and the book is still very, very popular. It's one of the best-selling marketing books for service business owners still. There's four different editions. Yeah. And I actually just sold uh, that company. Uh, to oh, Sean Dill. Yes, I did. Wow, congratulations. Thank you very much. We're very excited about that. So that's awesome. Uh, we'll, yeah, we, we we just signed the papers yesterday. So we'll be making public announcements oh, soon. Oh, wow. So we're actually <laughs> the first place that I've mentioned it uh, publicly. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I love doing that. I, I had a wonderful time. It was really meaningful work to me. Uh, but, you know, at my core, I am a performer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a master's in acting from NYU, and that's what I that's where I started my career. And, you know, what I would do sometimes when I had Book Yourself Solid events is every once in a while, if there was a sort of maybe an hour in the schedule where we had some flexibility, I'd put somebody up on stage and I'd give them some coaching on their speaking. And oh. yeah, I know well, you know, it's not something I I didn't have any I didn't have a business around it. I would just say, oh, this maybe I can be helpful to some folks around this, just because, yep. you know, of my experience. And when I would do it, I would sometimes look at the audience and their mouths would be open. Like they well, had this. I've been in that audience. I've seen you do that. It's true. Yeah. It's yeah but here's the thing. I was so confused. I didn't understand why. <laughs> I'm like, what's the big deal? They're like, this is magic. 
It How is. do you do this? And I said, but this and this, I mean, you've probably been to public speaking training, you know, courses and this, how are they, everybody does it? They're like, no, I've never seen anything like it. And so for me, it was surprising because to me, it was the most normal thing in the world. It's yeah. what professionally trained actors and directors do. So the world that I came from, transformation is, is your job. If someone gives you a note to do something differently, you're able to do it differently right then on the spot. And if you can't do it on the spot, you have a process for working on it until you're able to do it. It might take you a few days or a few weeks, but you always know how to get there. Yeah. And, so, and so when we would work with master directors or master teachers, they would, they would very quickly see what needed improvement, give us a direction, and we would change. And it's so much fun to watch that kind of transformation. Yeah. And so when I started doing it with folks that weren't actors around speaking, the audience had an experience that was completely new to them because they, hadn't, they didn't have the same background. So I knew that it was craft. They thought it was magic. And so <laughs> I realized, I said, oh, if to me it's craft and to them it's magic, I know I have something here that's really special. Because, yeah. you know, in the speaking industry, what I, I recognized is that there, there, there were people who were former actors and had, you know, do some coaching, but they weren't uh, on the high level of the keynote circuit. They weren't professional speakers. Mm -hmm. And then there's speakers who like to do some coaching, but they don't actually have the craft, stagecraft or writing craft. So they know the business a bit uh, and they have some experience with what you know, what, what they like and what they think works on the stage, but maybe not the craft and the ability to direct and change the speakers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not being critical. I'm not putting anyone down, but I was just no, looking no. at the space yeah. and I was saying, okay, well, I see those two different sort of types. And then I see lots, then I see a bunch of businesses teaching people how to sell from the stage. Sure. And I thought, what about, why isn't there a master's level training for people who want to be the best public speakers in the world. I mean, I had a master's level training for acting. You can get a master's uh, degree uh, in music, editing, directing, uh, fashion design, but there was nothing at this level. So uh, I said, we have to build it. I want to build an educational institution that is on par with Yale drama, NYU grad, Juilliard, and... And Amy and I built it. You know, my wife has her master's from Yale uh, and, uh, and we built it. We're really proud of that. And that I think was the, that's the pivotal moment. So, you know, sometimes in life you have these moments of, of recognition where, where you realize, oh, wait, this is special. Yeah. Not only is it special, but it's my thing. I love yep. it. because. When you're a visionary type, you'll have a million ideas. I mean, there's the day that goes by. I, I don't have an idea for something. And oftentimes it's not even something I have anything to do with. I, I just have an idea. Ideas are everywhere. I love them. They're so much fun to play with. But they're not all ideas that you can bring to life. Mm -hmm. And this was, for me, something that I knew I could bring to life. It was really quite unique. Uh, and for, you know, and, and Amy and I had a unique combination, uh, that we could bring to it. So that was it. I think we, and we found it. And, and so I, uh, I, I turned book yourself solid over to uh, someone else to run. And, uh, I started building this business and at the beginning people were like, how, what, what, 
how, what, you're just moving from book. How do you do that? Moving from book yourself solid to heroic public speaking. You're just leaving that one. You're going to a new one. Aren't you scared? And I, I, I wasn't even for a second because I just knew that we could help the people that were meant to serve. Like I had absolutely no question in my mind that what we could deliver would be transformational for thousands of people. Well, you, you were right. <laughs> you were right. Yeah, that's the only um, time. I'm not always right. That one I got right. <laughs> you were right. You, you nailed yeah. it. Our Defining Success Workshop series is so much more than just a business workshop. This three-day intensive is a carefully curated exercise in finding clarity in the now, which includes your personal and professional goals. We have four expert speakers that will guide you through what typically takes years to accomplish in just three days' time and will save you roughly $100,000 in investment while we're at it. This will be the best ROI you'll ever make. I pinky promise. Sign up for one of our four Defining Success workshops taking place at Hotel Metro in Milwaukee this year. You can register at rixrixworkshops.com and keep in mind, space is limited. I have two more questions for you, Michael. Uh, this one, if you can give me like your, your Cliff Notes version, like 30 second response here. What are you working on right now? What's, what's coming up next? Uh, well, what's coming up next uh, is two things. Number one, we're working on scaling the business. Exciting. Uh, number two, we're succession planning. So uh, we're bringing in new instructors uh, to train them, uh, help us out. And uh, this way, I think we'll be able to serve more people, yeah. uh, you know, because Amy and I are a limiting factor. So there's only two of us. <laughs> but you are mighty. You are, you are mighty. Um, I love that. Good for you guys. And my last question for you, Michael, is what is your greatest insight or discovery about life and entrepreneurship? I would say this. I think that what I've found is the level of success you have in your chosen profession is directly proportionate to the amount of responsibility that you can handle. Because if you don't feel like That's you can great. handle the responsibility of the next stage of development of your business, then you're going to avoid getting to that next stage. You're going to keep yourself where you are. And so, you know, if you are a one person business and you want to grow, well, now you have to hire people. If you don't feel like you, you can handle the responsibility of hiring, managing, training, firing, all of the things that come along with, you know, working with human beings, yeah. uh, then you're not going to do it. You know, or if you have a, a bunch of people working for you and you want to grow and you want to start to scale up uh, and do more partnerships, but you don't feel like you can handle the responsibility that comes along with those kinds of partnerships, mm -hmm. then you're not going to do them. And so I think it's worth looking at it. Sometimes hard to, it's hard to admit that you don't feel like you have the responsibility for something. Usually we make excuses as to why we don't want to do it, mm -hmm. but often it's just we don't feel like we can actually do it. Yeah. And that's a responsibility question. So the more responsibility you can handle, the more you can accomplish, the more things you get to do. Yeah. In life and in business. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Oh, Michael, wise, wise words. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom with us today. I so appreciate it. For everyone listening who is like, I got to learn more about HPS. Tell me more about this. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Heroic publicspeaking.com. 
And if they want to come to one of our HPS core two-day events, mm -hmm. uh, they need to be nominated. So yeah. uh, they can reach out to you. And if you want to nominate them, you can feel free. Okay, but you got to be good because I'm not going to put my name behind anybody who I, I no, don't vouch no, no, for. Don't, no, no, they, <laughs> no, no, no. They just need to be ready to learn. That's it. Yeah. It's not like a good or bad. Like we don't look at good or bad or any of that. It's just if they're ready to learn, if they want to advance, then they should reach out to you and, and, uh, and ask for a nomination over to us. We, we don't have uh, expectations about uh, around somebody's talent level. No, no, do. not talent. Just yeah. like, I want to make sure whoever I say yes to is like, yup, they're going to show up and they're going to show up. Yes. They got to be good human beings. Ready to show. Yep. Who do what they say they're going to do. That's, that's the key. Which is unfortunately really challenging to find oftentimes. But yes, I agree with that. Um, okay. Heroicpublicspeaking.com. Awesome. Um, for anybody listening right now who has enjoyed today's episode, please go ahead and leave a review wherever you are listening. And Michael, again, thank you. I, I'll take this opportunity to say thank you for the opportunity to learn from you and be a student. And thank you so much for your time today on the show. It really is my pleasure. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.